Whenever I've had the privilege to preach here, I've always felt like Chaucer's pardoner entering into this pulpit from which you can crane your neck over the congregation. It's rather an imposing feeling. So let me begin with a question. Is anyone here this morning a roller coaster enthusiast? Uh, no one, huh? <laughs> well, you know, perhaps that's not quite the right question to ask at the 8 o'clock service. <laughs> I ought to have asked, was anyone here ever a raw oh, good one hand? There we go. If you ever were, you might remember those thrilling moments when you held in your seat by an iron bar that you pulled up tight, the car you were in sort of chug, 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 chugged up the rails slowly to the top of a rickety old wooden edifice and then plummeted as you shrieked, perhaps in delight, perhaps more in terror, as your car began to tear around curves, slowed for a moment to begin another ascent, and then once more hurtled in descent. That was the Coney Island roller coaster of my youth. One ride on that old wooden structure, never to be repeated, such was the state of my stomach. <laughs> and in those thrilling days of yesteryear, there wasn't even any kind of upside-down, high-tech, free-fall experience, though, as I recall, some of my braver friends managed to navigate the um, event with their hands in the air, but not me. I gripped with that white-knuckle experience for dear life. Now, you may wonder, what in heaven's name does a roller coaster ride have to do with the second Sunday in Lent? Well, let me try a connection. Just two weeks ago, on the last Sunday after the Epiphany, we accompanied Peter, James, John, and Jesus up the mountain. And there, you and I were privileged a glimpse of glory. As Edwin Muir, the Scottish poet, has it, one becomes privy to the unseeable one glory of the everlasting world perpetually at work. Yes, indeed, it was good for us to be there with Jesus and the chosen three. And perhaps if you are anything at all like I am, your response may have been a bit like mine on that first roller coaster ride. Let's stay here at the top in safety. We'll even build a couple of dwellings, some huts, 
along with Elijah and Moses, and no need to take that plunge into uncertainty, much less a headlong journey into danger. To paraphrase from a cartoon drawn by an old friend of this parish, Kyler Black, we suffer from ADD, Adventure Deficit Disorder. And to make us perhaps even less adventuresome with regard to a descent from the mountain, last Sunday, and I know you did it here, churches commenced Lent not only with Jesus in the wilderness, but also with the great litany. Nice and secure? No way, Jose. Uh Uh-uh. A lightning strike, a volcanic eruption, a cataclysmic earthquake, a perfect storm, a paralyzing uh, blizzard. Choose your own metaphor. Invent one of your own. Even borrow from Les Miserables. Another day, another destiny, this never-ending road to Calvary. Tomorrow we'll discover what our God in heaven has in store. And if you and I will dare to undertake that perilous journey, if we will, lease, we will release the break, so to speak, and begin the plummet, the descent, if we will choose to commence the adventure toward the cross and the crown with an honest examination of who we are in all our unvarnished nakedness, then we will, on Easter Day, grasp what St. Paul meant when he wrote to the church at Philippi that Christ the Lord will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. Now, let me attempt to whet your appetite not only for a Lenten pilgrimage, but also for the forum later this morning. Fourteen years ago, when I was still teaching Les Miserables, all 1,200 pages of it to my 10th grade honors students, I used to tell them that the answer to any question was always the bishop. That Jean Valjean's journey to redemption begins with the magnanimity of Charles Muriel, the Bishop of Dean, and the bishop's witness to the risen Christ. If you've seen the musical or even read the book, you'll remember the lines the bishop sings. By the passion 
of the martyr, by the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood, God has raised you out of darkness. I have bought your soul for God. A simple act of charity that rises from the gospel has the dynamics, the power, to raise lost and wandering souls like you and me, perhaps spiritually withered, as good as dead, to a point of hope. Grasp the essence of this declaration, grab hold of the awesome glory of the transfiguration. Take the plunge into the great litany, not as a magnificently chanted musical entrance, but as a reminder that sin lurks everywhere. That is, Jesus is beset by Satan in the wilderness, called upon the scriptures, we can call upon the Lord. Good Lord, deliver us. We intoned that in response to every petition last week. Grab hold of these things with heart and mind and spirit, and then the journey toward Holy Week will say no to the complacency encouraged by the Western world. If you and I will set out on the journey and be crucified with Christ along the way, then it will be true also that it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And we will be conformed to the body of his glory. Grab hold and understand and take that wild, dangerous, cross-carrying ride toward Jerusalem and Calvary with more than casual attention that is urged on us by the various kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of money, sex, and power. Well, is this just a tidy little sermon on poetry preached by a guest, a sermon that should have been left in the classroom from which he retired 14 years ago? I hope not. Because as C.S. Lewis remarked in his essay, is theology poetry? I believe in Christianity just as I believe that the sun is risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Take the wild, dangerous, and adventurous roller coaster ride this length and discover that there is a vital link 
between the scene of the transfiguration and the scene of the crucifixion, between the safety of the first moments of the roller coaster ascent and the plunge into all the dangers and temptations of the descent as you and I attempt to live out our true citizenship in Jesus Christ and discover a fundamental truth of Christianity that it not only makes sense in itself, but has the ability to make sense of everything else as well. As the Greek Orthodox Archbishop Callistus Ware pointed out to me in Oxford more than 20 years ago, glory and suffering are simultaneous and interdependent. And as you and I decide to undertake this roller coaster adventure, it would be good for us to remember that wonderful maxim from the Orthodox tradition Behold, through the cross, joy has come to the world. Through the cross, there is no other way. Let me close with an observation from Lewis's famous sermon, The Weight of Glory. If you think sermons get long these days, that was a sermon preached in August of 1941 at the University Church of St. Mary the Virgin, Oxford, to standing room only, no open windows, no air conditioning, and it was 47 minutes long. But in that sermon, he makes an observation that offers you and me a wonderful ray of hope about the promises inherent in that perilous roller coaster adventure from the transfiguration into the wilderness, through the great litany, on to Calvary and out the other side on Easter Day. Lewis preached these words. At present, we are on the wrong side of the door. But all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the good news that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. On the journey, Whatever shape it takes, you and I will be given a foretaste of the new heaven and the new earth as the body of our humiliation is conformed to the body of his glory. And that foretaste will not only be an antidote to all our adventure deficit disorders, but also a foretaste of what you and I truly long for, the very face and embrace of God.
conformed to the body of his glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit,